Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Nile Nine podcast. It's myself, Nile, and Andrea Cleary here. How are you, Andrea? I'm good, thank you. In this week's podcast, we are going to talk about a uh, one of my favorite musicians, and and basically spending a lot of time the last week uh, delving back into his back catalog. I've realized how much uh, and how much time I've spent listening to this artist, and how much of his music has meant to me over the years and how much I just he's a, been a constant artist in my life's history mm-hmm. in my in my time listening to music that is a man called Kieran Hebden the English electronic musician more readily known as Fortet for many people and so there's a lot of stuff has been happening for Kieran Hebden in the last few years and DJing with Skrillex and Fred again but there's a lot of discussion there's a lot of things we can talk about what I want to do is just take you all the way back to the start of what Fortet is all about, where he came from, his music, and just really discuss what it is that I think is is brilliant about his music and uh, why he is as revered as he uh, should be. Um, and so that's what we're going to do on this week's episode, episode 229 of the Lotto 9 podcast. It is all about Fortet. <laughs> So yeah, we're going to be discussing a lot about Fortet's music from where he began to where he is now. And yeah, there is an, uh, we have a, an ulterior motive for doing this because on November 8th, um, in The Big Romance, we are going to be presenting a listening party, 
around Fortet's album Rounds from uh, 2003, which we'll get into, but we, you is considered one of his best albums. And what we're essentially going to do is uh, have a nice little listening party, a gathering in the Big Romance on Wednesday, November 8th for a small 40, 45 people or something like that. So it'll be the first uh, monthly listening party. We're going to tie it into the podcast where possible. It'll be uh, what we'll do is uh, do a podcast uh, uh, related to the album. And uh, then in real life, you and ourselves will have an opportunity to come together and listen to that album that we're going to discuss and talk about as well. This is uh, Fortet Rounds, the first one. And myself and Andrea will be presenting a the first of this kind of series of listening parties on Wednesday, November 8th, in partnership with The Big Romance. As you know, Big Romance, if you've ever been there, has a lovely sound system by a man from West Cork called Toby Hatchett. And really couldn't think of a better place for something like this. So a uh, really chance to appreciate a modern classic album. And that's what we're kind of going to go for in our series, Modern Classics. So, yeah, look out for that. That's uh, that's on sale this week uh, through Night or Nine on Eventbrite for Ted Rounds listening party. So, yeah, let's get into it. Let's talk about for Ted and his music, because, as I said, it has become he is. I think I've realized like he probably is. I saw for Ted play live with his band Fridge in 2000, maybe 1999 or something like that. So. Really, like when I started going to gigs, I was living in Kildare. I was going up to see um, Super Four Yam was one, one of my bands I absolutely loved at the time. And uh, I remember going to see them in the uh, Olympia. And there was a couple of supports. There was uh, Katel Kenig, who was a singer-songwriter and Fridge. And I was just like, who are these lads? They just looked like they really did at the time. It was 6th of July, 1999. Super Animals Fridge. I uh, went to see them and I was like, who are these lads? Uh, they're doing this weird music. And I guess at the time, I was 1999, well, I was 17 and I wasn't really familiar with like what kind of music they were making and the kraut and kind of post-rock stuff. So I'm going to talk a bit about that as well. So Fortet, Kieran Hebden, born in London in 1997. Uh, to a South African-born Indian mother and a sociology lecture father. Um, you've heard of the Brit School, perhaps, Andrea, have you? I have, indeed, yes. But have you heard of the Elliot School? Because Very vaguely. Apparently produced, yeah. like, everyone. Like, everyone well, went there. I'm going to tell you. Fortet, Kieran Heaven went to the Elliot School uh, in Putney. So Elliot was an art-centred uh, secondary school. It had an emphasis on visual and performing arts. Uh, it uh, it is famously used as the school hall in the film Love, actually. Hmm. And did you know who else was a pupil of uh, of uh, Elliot School? Maybe, oh, maybe I, you know. I, I don't know. Now, could it be Burial? It is. It <laughs> is. Will Bevan, aka Burial, is one of many yeah. uh, students, uh, including Joe Goddard and Alexis Taylor from Hot Chip. Mm. Um, we have the Peter Green, the founder of Fleetwood Mac. All three members of the XX and the original Fort member, Baria Corseri. Um, Herman Lee, the guitarist with Dragon Force. Members of the Maccabees. And uh, and most part... Tails off a bit uh, at the end there, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, well, well, hold on a sec. I'm keeping some of the best for last. Okay. Uh, Pierce Brosnan. Well. Bond man and uh, actor in such classics as Taffin. 
What goes on in this town is none of your business. As long as I'm living here, it is. Then maybe you shouldn't be living here! <laughs> That's his best work. <laughs> that is, uh, you can't you can't hit me with a maybe you shouldn't be living here without oh, warning you know uh, <laughs> yeah uh pierce brosnan there in uh the classic taffin uh where is the set bray or Greystones or something like that i don't know very weird anyway three other people who were in the elliot school uh were a band called fridge that was kieran hebden adem uh ilhan and sam jeffers they formed the band in uh fridge in 1995 in the school and i think it was a school that had was definitely if it didn't teach music directly it was a, a good atmosphere a good environment in which uh, music seemed to thrive joe goddard of hot trip said that the, there was a spirit if you want to do something just go and do it you don't you didn't need permission in our school and um, they signed their first record deal when hebden was 15 and he said in 2009 of the school, I'd rehearse with my band at lunch and for hours at school without any interference. When I was at school, drum and bass happened. Our teachers would let us set up big sound systems and have drum and bass parties during lunchtime breaks. We'd be in a drama room with machines and strobe lights for half an hour, dancing to sh- Super Sharp Shooter or something, blasting out a huge volume. So you can imagine here uh, going into your school and then all of a sudden... Uh, you're like, is this a normal school? No, it's playing Super Sharp Shooter. All the kids are playing this. Super sharp shooter, so definitely an atmosphere and an environment in which that uh, musicians thrived, as we've seen, and uh, actors as well. Um, so yeah, they signed their first record deal when Kieran Hepton was 15 and released her first album, CFAX, on Trevor Jackson's output label uh, in March 1997. Their music was very much inspired by post-rock and crowd rock bands like Noi and Can, along with kind of folk and electronic music of the day. Like, uh, Kieran Hebden played guitar and used samples. Adam played bass. Uh, it was drums. Sam Jeffers was on the drums. There was no vocals. It was very much a prototype of what... Uh, a live prototype almost of what Fortet became. Um, they made music for about four years between 1997 and 2001 uh, and released four albums in just their four years together and 10 singles. Hebden said that they were trying to make music that didn't sound like anything else. All of us not quite skilled enough to translate the sound in our head onto cassette, but creatively filling the gaps, using them and making them integral. Um, they had an album in, 20, in 2001 called Happiness, which was probably their standout of their work. And I'll play a bit of a song that I love called Cut Up Piano and Xylophone from that. So yeah, uh, Happiness is described as a sprawling pastoral masterpiece, an innovative mix of acoustic clatter, electronic experimentation, hip-hop production techniques, and experimental rock arrangements. 
Along with Hebden's uh, blossoming solo project Fortet, Happiness dragged the most compelling em- em- elements of the typically self-serious electronic indie and avant rock of the 1990s and Maritime to eclectic folk and spiritual jazz for the new century. And I think that's kind of like a good template for a lot of what would follow immediately. Fridge would occasionally uh, play with Badly Drawn Boy, actually, as his live band around that time. And uh, Happiness, if you're interested in it, was uh, meticulously restored, uh, reconstructed and remastered from the original tapes by Kieran Hepton himself for release this year. So it's out in vinyl again. Um, but while working with Fridge, he began a degree, Hepton began a degree in maths and computer sciences at the University of Manchester alongside members of Simeon Mobile Disco. So was Fridge never broke up, uh, they basically, their uh, interests uh, diverged and they started making music separately. Adem was known for making kind of very much folky kind of electronic music, uh, more on the singer-songwriter side. Uh, but sometime between late 1996 and early 1997, Kieran Hepton uh, decided he wanted to begin sper- experimenting with DJ Shadow style sample scapes, which was, you know, kind of the dominant uh, cultural stuff in terms of uh, press at the time, like DJ Shadow like creating music out of uh, old samples and stuff like that, very much informed by hip hop and all that kind of stuff as well. Uh, the rest of the band weren't too keen on the idea, so he decided to pursue that as a solo undertaking. Uh, it was kind of, um, and then later that year, 1997, he actually released his first um, project, which uh, under the name Fortet, he started 4T Recordings and, and released a single called Double Density, which sounded a bit like. So you're kind of hearing a little bit of a preview of kind of the sound to come there. It's very much like it's organic uh, acoustic instruments, electronic instruments, but also very much live. Um, He began releasing music as Fortet in 1998. He had a 36 minute track uh, in 1998 called just 3625. I'd actually never heard this until uh, yesterday. I don't think uh, so. Here we go. It has a kind of jazzy beat, folktronic thing going on. Let's have a listen to 12 minutes in to certainly hear some of the DNA of his sound there for sure in terms of where his music would go but in 1999 he released his debut album as Fortet called Dialogue on Output as well Trevor Jackson's label 
Uh, it was his first full-length album and uh, definitely has a bit more of the hip-hop inspiration with kind of the jazz vibe. Here's a song called Cheer On from that record. So yeah, jazzy kind of stuff going on there for sure. Um, and I think you can hear a blueprint of what, what is to come as well. Um, later that year, Forte remixed a track from Aphex Twin, actually, from Selected Ambient Works Volume 2, a track we possibly talked about before on our Aphex Twin episode. Uh, there was a Warp compilation called 10 Plus 3, a remix compilation celebrating uh, Warp Records. And uh, he did a remix of Selected Ambient Works, one of the untitled songs from it, which just subtly tweaked it into different directions. And it sounded like this. Kind of bringing a jazzy element to uh, proceedings there in terms of the ambient stuff. So, yeah, uh, in 2001, Fortet released his second album, which was called Pause, which was released on Domino Records. More about that later. And was featured uh, more folk and electronic samples, which was quickly dubbed uh, Folktronica from the press at the time. Here's a song called Everything is Alright from the album Pause. And after that, it was the album that probably made his name and, and, and gave him his big breakthrough and one that we're going to focus on for our our live event on November 8th, uh, the Listen Closely event at the Big Romance, our listening party, is, of course, 2003's Rounds. Uh, probably his big career breakthrough, considered one of the best albums of the decade. It was where... The identity of all of his interests musically, like jazz, folk, electronic, hip-hop, ambient, all seemed to coalesce in this new form that had an identity that felt uh, uniquely his own. It's music that was melancholic, euphoric, cerebral, yet dreamy, pensive and immediate. I'm going to play one of your favorite songs, Andrea, uh, My Angel Rocks, back and forth here. So let's have a listen to that song.
That is my angel rocks back and forth, of course. Um, a song that, for me, I love the uh, <coughs> the kind of breathy, um, rhythmic uh, heart to that. Well, it's just very pretty, isn't it? It's very um, like I think was m- most most of the um, most of what made up rounds was uh, samples, like the vast vast majority of um, of what you hear on rounds is samples, but. I suppose it's why the term folktronica was coined to describe this album. Um, it's that he makes samples sound really organic and that song kind of feels like there's a human playing it. There's a human aspect to it. It doesn't feel as um, as digital as a lot of other of this kind of music. So, yeah, part of that's the breathiness, the space. It's also very just just very pretty song. Yeah, I love it. I think it's it's probably my favorite off rounds um but i love rounds i mean it's a great album and it's one that we'll play in full on november 8th if you want to come to that event uh, yeah it's tickets will be on event price uh, i'll put a link in the description but yeah i he talked he talked to spin colin joyce's spin in 2013 as a retrospective for the album mm. 10-year retrospective event and kind of shared some of the details about how he made it and he says i was in my early 20s when i made the record and i was living in london on my own I was meeting loads of new people and started traveling all over the place. I just remember at the time living in a little apartment and the people that I was hanging out with really vividly. A couple of relationships started in during that record in the middle of making it. I toured opening for Radiohead in Spain and Portugal and it made me rethink live electronic music when I hadn't thought about it that much. So when I hear rounds, it's like looking at an old diary. It was all done in the front room of an old apartment, uh, of a little that little apartment. I had my computer set up with records and things. I was recording all the time. I wanted to make making music be a part of my day-to-day life the same as eating and sleeping never been the sort of person to go and spend 10 hours in the studio every day the recording was happening all the time i was so committed to the idea when i was doing rounds that music was something that should go along be going on alongside life all the time i get up in the morning watch tv make a little music hang out with friends go to dinner come back make a little music the music was constantly happening here is a track called she moves she from the record Yeah, it had that glitchy kind of sampled quality as well. He says, sometimes on rounds, I take samples from 20 to 30 records to make a song. On one level, it was this bedroom recording, but on lots of levels, it's the most complicated and sophisticated technical recording you can imagine. If you tried to recreate it from absolute scratch with only a pile of instruments and a tape machine, you'd have a lot of trouble on your hands. Mm. Uh, I wasn't interested in human performance on the record of any sort. I tried to create illusions. You listen to it and you're not really sure what you're hearing. It sounds like a guitar player or something, but then the guitar line slows down and moves backwards. Moments that are impossible would suddenly happen. The music would pull you in and the waves that didn't make sense. I think that speaks to a lot of the uh, music made at the time. There was definitely an experimentation of, of manipulation of music and sounds and uh, that was a lot very interesting at the time you know like that you're like oh my god that, that sounds like a guitar but it's not a guitar it's, mm. it, it is a guitar but it's sampled and it's it's doing things that a guitar can't do mm. and while that might be taken for granted maybe a bit more now it's it's certainly a case of um you know it, 
for me, when I listened to that record at that time, I was so enamored with it. I was like, this is like, I have not heard music like this before. And it, mm. and also, you know, it's all being instrumental as well. It didn't really, it never like, I never felt like I was missing anything because I was like, it's so deep and, and textured and there's so much going on mm. and it speaks to you in a different way than, um, you know, um, music with vocals yeah it doesn't well, it doesn't lack emotion you know it's it's no, very absolutely it's not. a very and emotional it's a big record. heart yeah like rounds yeah. has a huge heart yeah i i agree with that it is and uh, there's there's something of um of youth in it as well there's the kind of you know abandon and and experimentation and and just that feeling of like well why can't i do this kind of thing and why can't this be as beautiful as um as you know, uh, non-electronic music, music that isn't uh, created with with technology, and yeah, it's it's a very it's it's a very very beautiful album, and it's full of it's full of emotion. I think, yeah, as a lot of yeah, his work absolutely. is, like the heartbeat that's there present. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's like children's toys and stuff on it as well. Like, yeah. there's, it's definitely it, <laughs> it, it has an environment, you know. Yeah, I remember at the time we were living in college, myself and my pal uh, Co. And we listened to this album a lot. And the last track on the record, um, Slow Jam, mm. has that exact like squeaky toy thing. Yeah. And we were living with uh, uh, a person at the time who obviously wasn't into any of this kind of music, but more into like uh, Phantom FM kind of stuff. Okay. Which is fine, but it was just, like, did not understand <laughs> what was going on. She's like, why? What's going on here? Why is, why is there like a funny noise in the song? And mm. I was like, Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds really good. And then she just could not understand it. She was like, I don't know why you're listening mm. to music that has a, a dog toy in it or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. Uh, but oh, that was, yeah, that was like a dog toy rather than a child's toy. I can't remember. I always thought of it one as a or child's the other. toy. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. Well, e- either one. It's yeah. like somebody stood on it accidentally and, and yeah. then they sampled it. Yeah. 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 yeah so. And I love, I, I love that. I, I love, I love when people use um kind of, natural environment stuff but like human environments not necessarily like i do love you know people sampling like nature and the sound of wind and trees and stuff but i also love kind of using very human environments as a as a space to experiment in i think that's that's really cool like traffic and stuff like that you know uh kieran heaven on round says i found my own sound at the time my main criticism of my own music was that it felt too much like a product of its influences on some tracks from fortet's pre-rounds albums you can hear well, I've been listening to this record and this record, so I smashed them together to make a song. My favorite music sounds like it doesn't come from anywhere. It's around the time I did rounds that people like Rodney Jerkins and Timberland were putting out their absolute masterpieces. A record like Whitney Houston's It's Not Right, But It's Okay, which <laughs> Jerkins co-produced, would come out and it didn't sound like anything before. On one hand, it's experimental, but it also managed to sound very human. It's a number one chart smash, but it has thumb pianos and drum machines. And yeah, yeah just in case you need it, here's what it sounds like. Friday night, you and your boys went out to eat. Then they hung out, but you came home around three. You did. If six of y'all went out, uh, then four of you were really cheap. Yeah, cause only two of you had dinner. I found your credit card receipt. It's not right. Okay, I'm gonna make it anyway. 
Yeah, it's Whitney. It's not right, but it's okay. Co-produced by Rodney Jerkins. So uh, mentioned by uh, Kieran Hebson there as an example of music at the time that was kind of inspiring him. And we'll get more into that because I think there's lots of music uh, around, uh, especially the pop sphere that Fortet is increasingly drawn to. Across yeah, his I've career. actually, I've decided just now that we should do a Timbaland episode. Oh, yes. That's it's, it's, it's time. <laughs> it's time Timbaland got his dues from the 909 podcast. Yeah. So let's play uh, another little bit of a song called A Serious As Your Life. So after rounds, things started to take off for Fortet. He became a, a going concern in terms of like touring. As he said, he, he started playing with um, the likes of Radiohead. He remixed Radiohead songs. He was doing his live shows of his own. And at the time, you know, uh, there was a lot of people uh, doing like in small clubs, doing like live laptop sets and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But he really made it uh, part of... Um, what he did in a live setting uh, that was kind of charming. Have you ever seen the RBMA video where he explains his like performance stuff? Uh, I'll play some of it for you now because it's really like worth seeing um, because I think it explains a lot about him and it explains a lot about like his uh, methods at the time. Like he talks about, you know, Cool Edit, which is like an audio software uh, thing like that we you might use to edit a podcast. He was using that live on stage to like kind of just mess around with. He would just be like pointing a mouse at it and like playing with it. So mm. he kind of had this in the same way that like Burial didn't like using, you know, the grid. Like there was elements of, of what Forte did where he was like, no, um, I actually like just messing around with things. And, and that was a big part of what he did. So let's play. I might edit this down. In so with all the tracks on this computer, on Cool Edit, I've got melodic parts like this. The wonderful thing about Cool Edit is you just click on any bit with a mouse. It just starts looping that section. And um, if you click ridiculously fast, you get all that kind of like finesse, Mego records type of wicked like kind of electronic stuff without running any max patch or any shit like that you're just clicking as fast as you possibly can on the screen <laughs> so now we've got this I can do stuff with it you know I really like this because it's not a plug-in, it's not a synthesizer, it's not an instrument or anything, it is, but it's like so live. You know, it's never ever going to be remotely the same at any, any show and it allows me to mess with the uh, melodies and stuff. So over here I've just triggered the version of the whole song without drums. You know? So at the show I might have been noodling around like this for a few minutes, kind of getting the atmosphere I want in the room and then people recognise like a bit of the, they'll recognize melodies and things maybe from the song off the record. But now the real kick is going to come is the actual main hooks and stuff from the song are going to come in with everything. And then 
And this is the moment, you know, everybody in the room is saying, like, oh shit, yeah. You know, totally like, you know, everyone's cheering, it's all turning around. And I've got total control, like, I've got total control of that moment, you know, and I'm able to like hold off. I think during this set, I do lots and lots of tension building, like playing with all these elements, holding it off for a long time, suddenly dropping the main element I know people know. So people know this tune, it was like the opening track on my last record, so they're familiar with it, but they're hearing a version that's totally unlike anything on the record. Um, yeah, anyway, that's just, it was a really uh, fascinating, it's like seven minute long um, uh, setup video about how he, he did his live stuff around this time. So after rounds, then came a number of albums, everything ecstatic from 2005 he was starting to do a lot of remix work and collaboration stuff so first of all he did he played with the drummer steve reed at the jazz drummer he did some improv and electronics kind of music with him i remember going to see him as part of the fringe show i believe in the spiegel tent down in the, in the docklands in dublin him and steve reed playing in the spiegel tent um, they released an album uh, most notable album probably is 2007's Tongues, um, a, a mix of, of what they were doing there. This is a song from that called The Sun Never Sets. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So yeah, 2005, 2006, 2007, it was really the time when Fortet, Kieran Hebner began to collaborate and do more remixes. I mean, he was quite a prolific remixer, clearly a good way to make money at the time, but also he made some like brilliant work. He did remixes for the likes of Mad Villain, uh, Block Party, Superfly Animals, Baddy Drum Boy, Beth Orton, Boom Bip, Battles, Kings of Convenience, Bonobo, The XX, and uh, Radiohead, as we mentioned as well. A lot of um, remixes he did. Uh, so in 2006, Domino actually released remixes, a two-disc compilation of Fortet's uh, work and uh, featuring 12 of his remixes was selected by him. And then a second disc comprising of every official remix to date that he has been uh, 
that has done to his work essentially as well by other artists. So um, I'm actually going to play, take the time to indulge you here in two of my favorite uh, remixes. Here's the Mad Villain one that I absolutely adore. It's a uh, money folder. He did four Fortet remixes. So clearly a big fan of Mad Villain. I was going to pick this as well and I had a feeling you'd, yeah, okay. you'd, you'd cover it. Good, good. <laughs> this is awesome. Well, I've got two different, two different remixes that kind of show the both sides. So here is the Money Folder Fortet remix. So that's a great remix. That's one of my favorites from uh, the Forte uh, remixes of Mad Villain. And then uh, one of his close friends, Caribou, Dance Nate as well. He was, uh, he often played with and DJed with a lot. And there's a remix of the song Melody Day, which I think is just beautiful, uh, featuring Adem as well, actually doing some of the vocals and Luke Lalande as well. So here's the Fortet remix of Melody Day. Melody Day, what have I done? Now our hearts are locked up tight again. And when I pray, it's all begun. Smile, it melts away the original of that song it's kind of has loads of beats and kind of uh takes it along where forte just stripped it all the way back and did something uh really different with it and i think that's what he was always really good at is like he's not just i'm gonna make this a forte song he's like i'm gonna take this and like see what i can do with it and uh i love that stuff about him and i think around this time then he started to really uh um you know, collaborate and uh, started making music of more of a dance floor persuasion. So, Andrea, there was a we mentioned Will Bevan earlier on, but he did come back and 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 play with his old schoolmate at one point, uh, who uh, then was you know, I mean, Burial didn't do didn't make music uh, with anyone else at this time. He was Burial. He made Untrue. He was going off doing his own thing, 
And uh, you mm. really kind of like, all of a sudden then, there was this, this was the seismic event in my world. It was like, Vortet and Burial have made a song, made songs together. What's going on? Old pals together at last. It, may, it, it just, it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, like what, what, what year was this? Like 2009. 2009. It's like, lads, this should have happened way before now. Yeah, yeah. You were in school <laughs> together. Like, come on. I know, I know. <laughs> um, I love the Burial and uh, Fortet collab. Uh, they, they also later did like a three-way collab with Tom York as well, um, which is even more of an intersection of my interests. Like, I take the Burial Tom York side, you take the Burial Fortet side, and together <laughs> the three of them make make the perfect uh, uh, collaboration for us. But yeah, one like one of the songs you asked me to send over some of my faves. One of the songs was um, Moth, which is the Fortet and Burial collaboration that was, um, I think, recorded in uh, 2009, released uh, on like a two sided EP um but only um on only only physical release um until geez i think it was like 10 years later after the suit which there was we'll, definitely which we'll some like mp3s bit. and stuff of it around the time because like I, yeah but be, there was nothing there was nothing official from yeah 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 it was way from later. record labels uh because there was still you know issues going on with um with the label and streaming and all that stuff which we'll get into later but um but yeah moth is the one that i chose to kind of highlight just because i think it's just kind of outrageously beautiful and it's it's so like and yet unlike both of them like yeah. they've just they've created something that is um the, the 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 best of both of them do you know it's it's beautiful I love how kind of textured and crunchy it is. Like some so, some elements of it sound like they're sort of wrapped in wool or something. And then there's those that they're kind of really like crunchy. It's just like, it's really lovely if you've got like, a di- I, I hate when people say this, but if you have a decent set of headphones listening to it, it's like, it's just, there's something fizzy that comes out of that track that I really, really enjoy. And Wolf, Wolf Club is the other, um, the other song that that came out with this 
and it's it's different but it's kind of equally uh equally as beautiful so i love i love this collaboration and, and like you said just really encapsulated both of their own sounds but out like um leaning one way and the other it was like okay yeah there's a sensibility of work mm. there's also i hear burials textures and stuff like that as well so just really yeah. great, really interesting. There was really there was a bit neat. of conversation at the time around it. The time I was reading the contemporaneous uh, Pitchfork review and um, the person writing it, Philip Sherburn, wasn't sure initially when writing it if if both artists collaborated on both tracks or if it was, you know, yeah. Fortet did one of them, Burial did the other, and then there's a correction kind of at the end. Uh, Kieran Hebden has confirmed that he and Burial did indeed collaborate on, on both tracks. But it's interesting that it's it's unclear, you know, the 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 like the major uh, push of both of their influences and sound isn't like very clearly set out you know like it's, it is a collaboration like and it sounds like something different to what both of them do do you know yeah so perfectly perfect collaboration really um yeah so just ideal a, a, a melt of the of both of their uh sensibilities and styles so really mm. good and they and would, would continue to well i mean they've done it a couple of times now and uh, probably do another one soon to be honest probably do another like mm. collab on that front but yeah, around that time, there was, we're talking about um, 2009, 2010. And I think you can really hear what happens to Fortet's music is that he really starts to bring this dance music sensibility further into the music. There's a lot more 4-4 four, four beats as opposed to like these skittering, uh, jazzy kind of uh, drums that happen. Mm. And I think that you can really hear that in the record, uh, There Is Love In You. Uh, kind of informed by a time when uh, you know he he was playing more gigs, he was playing more DJ stuff. You can really hear that uh, he was starting to develop his music in the in the dance arena more. Uh, here is uh, for me the absolute highlight from the "There's Love in You," uh, the second track, uh, "Love Cry." <laughs>
so yeah, around that time, 2010, we're talking about uh, he was playing, Forte was playing a lot more in uh, the uh, club called Plastic People, a uh, London club that was quite influential. And I think that goes uh, some way to explaining uh why he was making more dance music because he was DJing more. He was testing out his music in a club environment, plastic people I'd never been to, but heard lots of good things about the sound system in particular there. He was hanging out with floating points, um, Sam Shepard at the time doing a lot of uh, uh, DJing together. And so I think it just really started to seep into his music more and more and more. And you really hear that from 2010 onwards. And I think really, he was doing production work for the likes of Nina Cherry. He was collaborating with the Syrian electronic singer Omar Suleiman and generally just expanding his universe um, to the point where, you know, like in 2021, he was producing a Mad Lib record, really good record called Sound Ancestors. So really kind of keeping up the kind of collaborative streak a lot of the time. But it was really around this time where as well as like we're talking about albums like Pink, from 2012 beautiful rewind in 2013 you're starting to hear jungle and garage music really uh, come into his music a bit more and kind of surprising at the time for me i remember 2013 like 10 years ago being like oh my god fortet's doing all this other stuff now and he had a, mm. a, a a side project called percussions where he was releasing a lot of different music he also came he became quite prolific in terms of uh, releasing stuff and also being quite uh, obfuscating in terms of like how he was releasing it whether he was releasing under his own name or some other name like Percussions. He had a song mm. um, that people were, that he called. The track I've been playing that people kept asking about that Joy or Joy used in his RA mix and Daphne played on Boiler Room from 2013. It was like these kind of like little nuggets were being released here and uh, now and then. Um, and as long with the, the albums to come, which were Morning, Evening on Text Records in 2015, uh, he started releasing his own as well. I mean, music in terms of independent. And mm. um, we got New Energy, 16 Oceans, Text Records, Parallel. So 2015, 2017, 2020, uh, two records in 2020, Parallel as well. So we've skipped the formation of the boy band in 2011, which was Kieran, Burial and oh, yeah, York yeah, well, when they released their first 12 inch uh, with two songs, Ego and Mirror. And then not until, so like nine years later, I think 2020, they released um, Her Revolution and His Rope. So they they got back together and um, and released those two. Uh, so they've had two two collaborations that we know of so far, one 2011 and one 2020 as well. So continuing to collaborate with excellent people. Yeah, let's hear a bit of that from uh, Her Revolution, from Burial Fortet and Tom York. Do you know what I do for an entire album? Yeah, I mean, and that, I think he always kept that streak up for sure. But I think in his solo work then, he he had a lot of kind of music that was more dance floor, club orientated, like here's the percussions. Mm. I think he always had this like lovely beauty to the records as well, which is like euphoria and melancholy is, is really two things that are very at the forefront of his music. Here's a couple of things. Here are digital arpeggios from percussions. 
a record that really like slowly builds up over nine minutes to the point where it's like gets a bit busier. So really making use of club dynamics in the music as well. Here's ASCII Bot as well, another track I love. And there's the likes of Unicorn from Beautiful Rewind. like lovely sound design kind of stuff here's 2017 from uh, new energy and uh, we'll play a bit of planet as well from that record And then an example from the pink record as well. This is Pinnacles. So, Andrea, there was a reason, though, where he why he started to release a lot of this music on his own label. And mm-hmm. uh, let's talk a bit about that now, because I think he always had beautiful music on that record. He was very prolific. But one thing that we all noticed, I think, especially became much more obvious when he started releasing music as KH, yeah. is that he wasn't releasing music under the name Fortet anymore. Mm-hmm. And there was a very good reason for that, right? Yeah. So he basically, there was there's a kind of a... I don't know, relatively infamous lawsuit between himself and his record label Domino. Um, He filed a lawsuit against them in 2021, um, which sought damages from the label. Basically, the deal he had with his label, uh, which was signed, God, what year? Um, I can't remember. It would have been probably. But it was. Like er, er, before nineteen ninety nine, anyway, yeah, ninety seven yeah. or so. So streaming wasn't. Oh, sorry. You see, signed. He signed it in February twenty two thousand and one. Yeah. So stream streaming wasn't on the cards just yet. Like we're talking, if people are listening to music digitally, it's it's um it's it's MP three files, you know. Um. So the deal he had with his label was that he was entitled to eighteen percent of um his his royalty share was eighteen percent of sales of physical copies of his record because it was only physical copies that existed. Um, But once streaming emerged, the label 
continued to apply this um this 18% number to his uh streaming revenue um which isn't fair you know it's not it's not that's not how kind of modern um streaming uh, that's not how modern record de- record deals deal with streaming you know so he sued them for around about 70,000 pounds um and the label uh, took the album's pause from 2001, rounds from 2003, and everything ecstatic from 2005 down from streaming, streaming services while it was ongoing, uh, presumably worrying that if, uh, if they do lose this case, those, uh, that revenue will, will continue to rack up for as long as uh, p- people are able to stream those records. Basically, he... There was there was an attempt of settling it out of court. The label at one point were arguing that he was actually only entitled to seventy five percent of that eighteen percent. I'm not sure why. I tried to I tried to find out why that that was agreed, but that was that settlement like did not um, was not reached outside of court. In 2022, it was announced that he had won the suit and he ended up getting just under 60,000 pounds. And that was kind of backdated um, money to rectify the kind of the underpayment of of his streaming stuff. And his stuff went back up on Spotify and Apple Music and YouTube Music and whatever other um, streaming things were happening. So he did, um, he put out a series of tweets announcing that it was, that it was all rectified. So actually I'll, I'll, I'll read you Domino's statement Domino are pleased that Kieran Hebden has chosen to settle his claim and accepted financial terms first offered to him in November 2021. That's a bit salty. Kieran's claim arose from differing interpretations of specific clauses in a contract entered into by Kieran and Domino in 2001 in the pre-streaming era and the application of these clauses to streaming income. Since 2021, Kieran has added to and pursued his claim despite numerous attempts by Domino to settle the matter. Neither the courts nor the settlement's terms have made any determination as to how streaming should be categorized or streaming income split. The case now having been settled, we're glad to be able to dedicate our full attention to resourcing and supporting our artists. And we wish Kieran continued success in his career. Um, and as you can imagine, uh, the whole thing ended with um, Kieran Hebden. I find it weird that they call him Kieran in that statement. Do you? Do you feel it mm. should be Hebden, right? It just feels a I bit so. familiar or something. I don't know. But anyway, he, he he left the label and then he was able to keep making music under his own label, Tex Records, and was able to uh, release music as Fortet again, uh, which is good. I think at the time, like when it was announced, it felt like a bit of a, it felt like it might be a bit of a landmark case because there wasn't really much like much uh, much to go off legally in terms of like a precedent when it came to streaming royalties so yeah. unless you had a specific clause in your contract which every artist now will have every artist post uh, post the streaming era will have some kind of clause in their in, in their contract that explains um how the royalties work but i expected there to be a lot more um a lot more artists coming out with claims like this i was surprised that it didn't it didn't seem to have the pun intended domino effect um of 
you know, more artists seeking kind of back payments for, for streaming. So, but still, you know, he got his money. Early days yet. I mean, yeah, legal yeah. things take a long time to come into fruition. Yeah, that's true. It was only two knows? years ago, so. Yeah, but it also, it does, it does speak to kind of a legacy, um, streaming royalties and stuff yeah. like that. And I'm sure there's plenty of people who looked at that and went like, oh, I'm going to do this. Yeah. It's my time to, but also it could be a unique situation. You don't know, like, background of maybe labels were contacted by artists who were like this is clearly not right and then yeah it doesn't go to court because you know there's a precedent here now yeah um because he's won the case so yeah yeah maybe, it's interesting it as well there was quietly. there was something um in in one of his statements he he said that um fortet said that he wasn't given the opportunity to buy that music from his label now obviously very famously, Taylor Swift has had um, a similar issue in that she was blocked from buying her music from her label um, mm. and she's gone and just re-recorded all her stuff. So like between the Fortec case and the Taylor, and how Taylor Swift has kind of dealt with that situation, I do think that we, we are probably going to see more stuff like this happening with, um, with artists who want to take back control of their, um, of yeah. their discography and of, of, of their music um and you know rightly so yeah absolutely absolutely so that does explain really why fortet was releasing as kh yeah for the last couple of years as well uh, did, so, was, I mean, was there a know. thing where people weren't sure i i seem to remember you and me doing a podcast and you playing a kh track now long time ago like first year of the podcast and I seem to remember you telling me that it wasn't it wasn't officially confirmed. People were assuming it was him, but we didn't well, fully know. Yeah, he was releasing under a number of different aliases, but also like um, that uh, nonsensical wingding mm. stuff that he started doing at around that time. Yeah. You know, like you, I have it in a playlist here, but I can't possibly pronounce it or tell you how how to search for. Yeah, it. it's just symbols. He, yeah. Yeah, it's like the famous playlist that he started creating, which has like 4,000 songs on it now, which is on his profile, um, which he would uh, suddenly drop in tracks, uh, uh, but no one knew what the tracks were called. Some some of them actually ended up being released as K-Hate songs. So this song here, I only realized last night, I was like, oh, that's the one feelings that I have on uh, my DJ stuff. Mm. But uh, it's not called that on streaming. So yeah, definitely had been releasing a lot of stuff in the last couple of years, which is obviously, look, shout out to the Discord. This is for you. Here's looking at your pager, the big one from last year. Of course, that is looking at your pager. Song of the summer last year. Uh, song sampling, of the year. Uh, <laughs> yeah, song of the year. Sampling the R&B uh, group 3LW. No more, baby. I'm gonna do it right. Which is something he was doing at the time last year, especially. Uh, he had Only Human as well. Just before that, uh, sampling Nelly Furtado. Here is that.
so yeah over the last 10 years his music has definitely gone more 4-4 and club focused as he's been given probably more of those opportunities to play and uh, which has led as we said here is like he's sampling 3LW he's sampling Lenny Furtado he's been kind of um, some of my favourite work of his is actually from a some of his unofficial stuff uh, and I might just uh, uh, talk about that now because I think it's kind of relevant. So he did this amazing remix of uh, Grimes back in the day um, called, um, well, it was a skin. It was a sample. It was a, a recording of skin. Let's let's play a bit of this because I think this is just so beautiful, right? <laughs> So he never actually officially released that track. That is a uh, a version of a track he made of uh, Grimes Skin, um, and he just remixed it on, for his own. Played it on Rinse FM twenty thirteen. But he did that a lot over the last ten years, and he would uh, clearly would take music from a more pop sphere and uh, take it into a different way. And one of my favorite tunes of his of the last couple of years is a song called Baby from 16 Oceans, which actually features an Ellie Goulding sample. So let's have a listen to that one. You might know it from the drone, cool drone, weird video that uh, accompanied it. Here's Baby. Cause baby, you're all that have 
And I can think you can hear there what he has done in the in the best possible way, like taking some of that lovely textured uh, electronic stuff that he did in the past and he's known for and bringing it into kind of a, a clubby environment. Like not many producers these days, if they are making club music, will bring in Birdsong as a kind of a breakdown. So that's mm-hmm. kind of nice. And I think that's something that he still continues to do. And uh, I think that's what he's so good at. And I think when he does remixes as well, there was a great one of Churches from a number of years ago uh, that I remember playing at the early days of Luma. And I was like, wow, this is, it sounded so amazing in a club. And I'm going to play a bit of that now. It's uh, his remix of Leave a Trace. absolutely slays in a club and it's uh, one of my fond that is fond memories of of uh, early days of uh, Lumo eight years ago I was playing that song and I'm waiting for the drop basically and being like hold on mm. hold on it's gonna come and you're like it is a bit like almost I mean you have to kind of like go through the cringe a little bit when you're DJing sometimes and you're like no this is gonna be worth it yeah. just like stay with me it's fine and you just yeah. kind of be like father knows I know best, there's no beats children. here yeah <laughs> I will I will it will all make sense in a moment mm-hmm. and that is one of those examples when that happens so yeah I think you're hearing there in the last in those 10 years uh, and a deeper engagement with pop music and a deeper engagement with music of that sphere so kind of makes a lot more sense then that when it came to a couple of years ago and Fortet had been DJing everywhere and playing uh, this kind of music, and then all of a sudden this bromance developed between himself, uh, Fred again, and Skrillex. So this came 
this whole thing yeah. came from um, Fred again being the kind of man who wanted to meet Fortet and uh, charmed his way into saying hello to him and then hanging out and then brought basically Skrillex in. And of course, as we know, Skrillex is was known for being the dubstep bro, you know, and in recent years has kind of been trying to get away from that. And so what's been happening really is that the, the three of them have become this kind of kindred spirit uh, in the Guardian. And in a Guardian interview uh, earlier this year, uh, Hebden has talks about uh, his uh, his friendships as a caras, which is a Kurt Vonnegut term about a network of kindred spirits who faithfully stumble into your life. Uh, he says his first caras in the 90s was Fridge um, and then Caribou Dan Snate. Uh, he says was one of those. He said Dan Snape noticed them playing a board game at a festival and instinctively joined in. Mm. And when when Hebden's father Paul died in 2018, Snape and the rest of the Fortet Caras rallied around. Um, so he would Paul, uh, his dad would come to all the shows, uh, hitting it off with Skrillex and floating points and manning the DJ booth with Mad Lib. So it became this like kind of uh, crew of people that he hung around with, who were also his best friends and were there for him. So I'm not going to make sense then in that in those terms then that they started making music together. And I think for a lot of people who would have been only familiar with Fortet and what he has done, uh, they would have been really surprised that he's like DJing with Skrillex. And then the, the whole trim barriers of the three of them, uh, Fred again, Skrillex and uh, Fortet playing together. But I think he says, pleasing crowds can be a lonely op- op- uh, occupation, but the people I'm working with are my best friends. So all these things are connected. So he really began to, um, you know, uh, Embrace that much, much more, which led to a lot of the stuff that we saw earlier this year. Like Skrillex had a couple of new albums and himself, Fred again, and Kieran Hebden playing that five hour set at Madison Square Garden and then um, playing in uh, Times Square and then Coachella when Frank Ocean pulled out. So then, and that's when you hear, you see this kind of like um, Fortet basically having a lot of fun doing remixes of Taylor Swift, which he said he did because his daughter wanted to uh, basically, uh, he was like, I want to make a song for my daughter. So he did. And that's what he did. He made a Fortet, uh, Fortet um, uh, Taylor Swift remix. But you can see him having fun in these gigs. And I think a good example of it is he's kind of become this like little meme thing where he's playing this uh, track country rhythm all the time so here's a little bit of of what he's been doing So like, here's a man playing Madison Square Garden, playing Coachella and just having the crack because he's like, I can play this because no one else. I think they have that kind of uh, vibe, which I think is, you know, I think that is something that most uh, DJs should aspire to as well. It's like you can pull anything out at Mm -hmm. any point. And so he says in that uh, recent Guardian uh, uh, interview, he doesn't really do interviews uh, for Ted these days. He doesn't really like talking about his music, doesn't like talking about himself. Um, and in that interview, that's where we find out that his sister is a, a manager, manages Shania Twain. <laughs> so I'm like, you're like, whoa, what? Two queens. Uh, but yeah, he talks about, yeah, he talks about um, 
playing with Skrillex and uh, kind of gone, well, nothing is off limits because uh, when they were playing together uh, at Camden Underworld in London, Skrillex stopped everything and played the Lion King theme song. <laughs> <laughs> and since then, they looked at each other and were like, well, nothing is too chaotic to mix out of. Mm-hmm. So this is where this country rhythm uh, kind of meme self came from, this kind of EDM anthem from a French producer that he just kept dropping into things. So um, it became a lot of fun for him. I want to suggest to listeners, I remember mentioning it ages ago when we were first talking about the Skrillex Fortet thing, and I couldn't remember the name of the documentary Um but there's a, well, it's a, it's a video essay online. It's by a person named Timba on Toast, T-I-M-B-A-H on Toast. Um, and it's yeah. a one hour video called All My Homies Hate Skrillex, a story about what happened with oh, Dubstep. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. It's not as, um, it's not as salty as it sounds. Like it really is a story about like a community if you're interested in how like the smoking ban can kill uh, a, a kind of a, a community of, 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 of music goers, it's, it's very good for that. Like it's, it's a really, really great story. Um, it's great storytelling about dubstep and about why it is that dubstep fans don't like Skrillex or don't like what Skrillex kind of did with and to dubstep. But just while we're on Skrillex, I just wanted to shout that out. It's really, really excellent. Yeah. And that kind of brings us up to date, really, in terms of what's been going on with Forte. And he's just consistently releasing music. He announced a new album, I believe, didn't he? Earlier this year. Well, he had that really lovely uh, uh, psych jazz, darkness, darkness uh, collaboration with a drummer called William Taylor. Mm. Tyler, um, one of my, again, another favorite track. I think he's just always there for me in terms of like, he's, I always want to hear the Forte track that's just been released. And I very rarely go. Oh, that's something I don't really like. Mm. Even if it's like this twelve-minute like psych jazz odyssey, I'm like, this is fucking great. I love it. So he just he is that artist for me. He's one of my favorites. He is the one that is always willing to. I mean, I guess it's surprising in lots of ways what hap what has happened to him. And I think it's it's kind of beautiful in a way because it's like, okay, here's this man who could like who was very could have been very introverted and just been making this introspective music. But he's clear he has this weird like career arc that has taken him beyond that. He's where he's playing to 70, 100,000 people um, at a festival now. And you're like, that's mad. Yeah. And he, but he's not really like compromising anything on his own. And then uh, shout out to also his live shows. Now, I haven't seen any of his recent ones, but the ones he's been doing in London with the kind of a light fixtures with Squid Soup. Um, really, really cool and impressive where the entire venue is covered in lights and uh, over the audience's head and stuff like that. So. Just really, really cool. Very, very interesting. Um, always trying to do stuff that is, uh, you know, uh, pushing himself in his own way, I think. And I think, yeah, I think he's still releasing brilliant, brilliant music. Like the stuff that he released this year. Three drums, uh, a four-tet track, and then uh, that William Tyler stuff. There is a playlist I will share with uh, Patreon listeners. And uh, it's called Fortet Listen Closely. 53 songs, five hours and nine minutes. Definitely some of my favorite music of uh, his uh, over the years. And he's even like, I mean, he uh, even, I tell you what, I even like from the Skrillex album earlier this year, I love the song that he has a hand in because I think it's like, it's really cool. It has a bit of that Fortet buzz to it. This is a song, Butterflies. Let's play a bit of that. Very much a meeting of minds again. You can, let's see if we can hear some of the Fortet of this track. 
has to be the fourth type for me the uh, twinkling belly drums things yeah really nice but yeah there's so much we didn't cover there that uh, is from his extensive catalog and uh, so i think that's kind of an overview of Fortet's music uh, we could go on and on and on and play music but you want to join us uh, soon on november wednesday november 8th and actually uh, listen to rounds together we're going to be doing that the big romance so do the it's called listen closely fortet rounds it's the first of a series of listening events that we'll be putting on we'll be doors at seven o'clock we'll be doing a little uh album playback of course but also having myself and andrea will have a chat about the album and the artists so uh kind of like a little private live podcast right yeah tiny little sure. bit, like 10 minutes and we won't be releasing uh, we'll have a bit a of a chat it's just on the night no we won't be yeah this is what this is for. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, coming down to us, uh, tickets will be on Eventbrite um, as well. So come on you down and say hello and hang if out. If you need it, to... that I, I leave the house sometimes. <laughs> proof if needed. Yeah, exactly. All right. So I think there's loads of fort out there to discover yeah. if you haven't already. And I think even for myself, like I, I heard stuff that I hadn't heard before from the early days. So yeah. So really great. I hadn't Again, heard that one of my favorite artists. Uh, remix before. And it's oh, great. yeah, I have that on record. It's a, I have it on a 10 inch record. So nice. Mm. So nice. Um, But yeah, we'll be on that night as well. I think we'll be playing some music uh, uh on on vinyl that we have that might be related to that a little bit. So we'll bring some stuff along. Um, so hopefully that'll be fun. Okay. Uh, okay um, thanks, Andrea. Thanks, Niall. For listening thanks, closely with me and uh, for Fortet's music. And uh, yeah, patreon.com forward slash not nine to support us directly and uh, come and join the Discord, as I say every week, because uh, community is really important, lads. Yeah. It's really important. Don't, don't really know nice if you know, is community's community. good. Uh, yeah, so... So that's it. That's it from the 99 podcast this week. Thanks so much for listening. And uh, if you like us, uh, tell your friends and uh, maybe trust a few quid as well. Thanks. All right. Bye.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.